But let's let's move on to the trades that didn't happen. There was a lot of chatter out there. There were a lot of trades I that mean, didn't happen. A lot of things that just had you salivating, like checking your phone every five minutes, running to the computer to see which trades went down. And I, I honestly, one of the biggest ones I was um, expecting to hear was Paul George. There was a lot of talk about him being linked to Boston, being linked to LA. LA. I mean, it was just a lot of chatter. But I think with his, I think it's the same thing almost with the Marcus, where agents got into play. Where they told teams, well, if you draft that, well, draft if you trade for this player, he's not going to be here for the long haul. And I he, think a lot of teams with a player like Paul George, you want that commitment from him. Yeah, and I think so many of these players, even if they're not going to leave in free agency, they want to go through the free agency process. They want to talk to teams. They want to see what's out there. They want people to, you know, put proposals in front of them. And so, you know, the agent is probably communicating that very clearly. And the team that's trading for him doesn't want to hear that. They they want a firm commitment. Yes, he'll sign an extension. And if 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 it's a maybe, he'll stay. But he wants to go through the free agent process. Um, yeah, that could hold a lot of things up. And like we said before, with Boston's picks, particularly the one for this year, we don't know what number pick that is yet. And so maybe this gets revisited when there's more certainty about that situation. Um, but I believe Paul George has one more year on he does, his deal. He does. The same with the Marcus. He's um, a free agent in 2018. So the clock's sort of ticking because yeah. if you fast forward to a year from now, he's still on the Pacers and they're still talking about trades. His trade value goes down enormously because um, you don't even get that sort of trial period. Um, so maybe this gets revisited um, after the does. draft lottery. I mean, I think there were a lot of factors. I think, the, as you mentioned, draft picks, I think that played a role in the reason why he wasn't moved on both ends, being linked to Boston and to Los Angeles. I think what Boston wanted was a long-term commitment from Paul George if they're going to give up the Brooklyn Nets pick, which we all know is going to be one, two, or three. Yeah. So I think what they wanted was that long-term commitment. And then when you look at it on the other end with the Lakers pick, I think what um, the Pacers wanted was maybe that Security that this pick is actually going to be one, two, or three because as yeah. we know, the Lakers pick is unprotected after yeah. the third pick. So I didn't think they wanted to take that chance and say, okay, we're going to give up Paul George for Maybe his first round draft pick that we possibly are not going to get. So I think the draft and the future prospects of the league, because one of the things that I think honestly is that the league is trying to, they're waiting for 2018. I think that not only is going to be one of the biggest free agent classes, but I think it's going to point to a shift and the teams that are actually contending. I don't think that, not saying that LeBron James is going to fall off, but I think Cleveland might be going in a different direction, especially with their payroll. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for Oklahoma City. As we see with these teams that chase these big-name free agents and they chase these great players, they eventually have to give some of them up. We've seen it with Boston. We've seen it with Los Angeles. So it's not going to, you're not going to be able to have all of that talent for a long time. So you want to get it while you can chase those championships. So I think the league is just preparing for the next two years to say, okay, we're going to be competing for a championship in 2018, and I think it's going to be a different landscape. You're going to have maybe a team like Milwaukee who hopefully can move into that championship contention with a player like Giannis, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus Cousins. Those players, they're going to affect the shape of the league. Even Russell Westbrook might want to go somewhere different if the direction of Oklahoma City is not fitting to what he wants to achieve as a player. So it's a lot that, that's yet to be decided. So I think the prospects of the future is what stopped a lot of these trades. Yeah, and a team like Boston is in the driver's seat. 
because nobody has uh, a better situation in terms of draft picks than they do. I think they left everybody twice with yeah. the draft picks they have. So why not wait it out and, um, you know, they're playing for, for three to five years from now. And so no rush there. Um, you know, they'll get their chances. Uh, whether it's Paul George or whether it's somebody else. Or Jimmy Butler. Or Jimmy Butler. Which was another name that was out there. It was another name that was talked about. Um, He seems like the guy that Chicago should want to build around, but the moves that they've made, they they don't seem complimentary to me. Signing Dwayne Wade doesn't seem like a move that indicates that Butler is their guy long term. Uh, Anytime you bring on a very good veteran who's going to have a big role and you already have a star player who deserves the number one role it's just kind of strange and um, you know Rondo doesn't doesn't really fit there either he he's he's very ball dominant as a point guard like he dribbles a lot uh, high usage rate right and so Wade is that guy Butler's that guy uh, you, you have three of those guys in the backcourt. How do you get them the mess? And so, uh, so what does that say about their commitment to to Butler's role? Um, obviously, not that much if he's being talked about in, in, in trade talks. I, I think Chicago's with, with getting Wade and Rondo with Butler. I think Chicago had a different mindset. I don't think they felt like they really were going to be able to compete in the post D Rose era. They they let go of him and said, okay. We're going to rebuild, but we, we still have to hold our fan base because I feel like Chicago is not a large market. Chicago is still a mid-market. I mean, even though you have with the new CBA and a broadcasting deal, you have, you know, the game becoming national, but I still think Chicago, it's about the fans that they get in the building. It's not just about the streams because all that money hasn't poured in yet. So you still have to say, how are we going to put people in the stands? How are we going to put asses in the seats, so to speak? You know what I'm saying? So you have to get a player like Dwayne Wade. You have to get a Rondo. You have to get these names so people can actually come and say, okay, let's take a look to see exactly what's going on. Because I think in, in the NBA, you need two, you need one or two things to win. You need money or you need smarts. And when you look at these teams who are smaller market teams, they need the smarts. They, they need a, a very good front office when you look at Sam Presti and R.C. Buford. You need you need GMs like those to drive your team when you don't have the money. But when you do have the money, like a James Dolan, but you don't have the smarts, you see what can happen. So I think you need either one. When you have the money, you need to put it in the right direction. But I think you need either one of those in a team like Chicago. They don't have the money, and I don't think that the moves that they made have helped their team. When we look at another team like Orlando, I don't think they've made those moves. So I think it just comes down to that. And it seems like there's always like a marketing angle too of like jersey sales and what is the story that we're telling. Uh, you know, uh, Dwayne Wade comes back to Chicago. This is his. This his is his home. His and you know, it's it's a story to tell. And you know, as a Knicks fan, I I know know that really well. Right? They're always they're always selling you on some story. That's why the ticket prices are what they are. Yes. Uh, and that's why it's okay this year. Don't worry. Uh, we've got it all figured out again. And um, it's just, it's uh, it's not working on the court for Chicago. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if these trade talks get revisited. And, um, that, and that, that speaks to one of the biggest, like, dilemmas when you, when you love the game of basketball. It's like, as a fan, you want your team to go out there and, and you know, 
do do the most that they can to win and produce wins. But then you think about it, and then if a team feels like okay, we're not competing for these championships, then we have to compete for the dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, a team like New York who hasn't competed for a championship since, I mean, if you want to throw '99 in there, but if you if you don't account for the lockout year, then they haven't really competed for a championship in a long time. But they're still the most profitable franchise. So Sell out every game. I think for the Knicks, what it is is. I don't know if their mindset is so much less win on the court. Mm-hmm. Let's just win in the profits. Let's make sure our bottom line is is better than everybody else's. And they have been doing that, I mean, because it is the Mecca and you have a lot of lore to the place. But it's like if you just have a player like a Carmelo Anthony and then you bring in like a D. Rose and a Joakim Noah, it speaks to what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell tickets you're trying to galvanize the fan base yeah make them have a reason to talk about the team have names up. to talk and about. then when it all falls apart now they're talking about how it fell apart you know yep. what i'm saying so either you're keeping them in tune with a team that's winning and all these names that you brought in or you're keeping them in tune by how bad you are how awful and how disappointed they are so i think it's just the business of the nba that that sort of plays into to it a little bit yeah i think teams want to stay interesting and stay relevant and um <laughs> you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why Carmelo didn't get traded. Um, obviously, the, you know, they they looked at it. Um, obviously, it's a weird situation there between him and Phil. Very but you know, maybe maybe the decision comes down from Dolan and says, "Hey, we sell a lot of Carmelo jerseys. Um, he's a big name in this big city, um, and you know, what's what's the rush here? Uh, you know." We still can sell ourselves on the idea that we are going to compete for the playoffs, and if we just kind of stick to that, um, then we we have a narrative to sell, and um, it, it that's obviously not working on the court, it's and um, the the whole organization is seemingly not working at every level. Um, you know, there's a lot of reports that it was hard to get hold of Phil Jackson. Security is not working. Yeah, security is not working. The president, uh, PR is not working. No. It's, it's, it's just a, yeah, it's a clown show. It's, it's pretty say. awful. I mean, it's a show on Broadway, but just not the, the one we want. No. You know? No. And, and, I mean, what if what if Melo and the Knicks, what if they're, like, the same person where they just want the dollars and they just want the profit? Because Melo was talking about the comfort of his family and things like that. I mean... You have millions of dollars. Your family is going to be comfortable wherever you send them. If you took your family to Timbuktu or to Madagascar with $80 million in the bank, your family is going to be well off and comfortable. So I think it speaks to the the potential of the dollars that could be made. Carmelo Anthony is a prime player in a prime market. If you go to a market like Los Angeles where the fan base is not as... Rabbit. Exactly. (laughs) If you're not playing for the Lakers where you have that tradition... There's a lot to do in Los Angeles. The weather is always beautiful. Maybe I don't want to go to a basketball game today. You know what I'm saying? Like, the weather is just that great where you can do so many other things. So I think, like, if you stay in a market like New York, Melo gets to make the money that he wants. He gets the exposure that he needs, even for his family. If he's talking about his family, his wife is doing many different other endeavors with acting and things of that nature and in her brand and just building the Carmelo Anthony brand. And I think he goes with New York and he embodies... The environment, so I think it's it's a match made in heaven, <laughs> if you want to call it that. So I mean, I think it works, and I think for Melo, when we talk about the trade rumors with him and him going maybe to 
the Clippers or even Cleveland, I think those are basketball-wise decisions that you would do if you're Carmelo chasing the championship. You say, okay, I have a no-trade clause. I can control where I go. So, okay, let me look at the roster of the Clippers. Okay, I want to trade to the Clippers. But what am I going to make the Clippers give up if I'm going to them? You know what I'm saying? And he didn't even analyze that when he first came to the Knicks because they yeah, gave up. That's a big problem. They gave Exactly. They gave up a lot to bring him here. And so he's thinking of himself as just the savior. And I think that if he would have wised up and as a basketball decision said, okay, I want to chase championships and not chase, in my opinion, looking at it, is I want to chase the checks is that he would say, okay, I'm going to go to the Clippers and I'm going to become the fourth player on that team. If he was being able to be traded to the Clippers without giving up CP3, Blake Griffin, or DeAndre Jordan, I think you give up anybody else on that roster. You give up the whole rest of the roster, whether it's Spakes, Crawford, Reddick. You give up your own son if you're Doc Rivers and, right. and tell him, look, it's nothing personal. It's just basketball. Right. And and that's what it is. And Melo will go there and say, okay, this is where I need to be to win. You give them the best chance to compete for both of you guys. It was it was a match made in heaven, but his decision was more monetary than it was about basketball. I think that's an excellent point, and I think you can extend that to all three figureheads there in New York, from Dolan to Phil to Carmelo. There's a great dysfunction there. There's a great discomfort with the basketball situation, the management situation. There's just, it should be very uncomfortable. But the reason why it's not is because Forbes just said Dolan's team is the most valuable. Phil Jackson's getting paid $15 million a year to not really do anything. At all. Carmelo's making max money whether you win or whether you lose. He still goes home and, and everything is still pretty good <laughs> because how could you not be comfortable in, in, in the opulence exactly. uh, that these three men are, are living in and so that's the only rational explanation for how they could all be comfortable in what otherwise should be such an uncomfortable situation and, and to, to go back to Dolan when you think about it it's just you want to sell a name so you bring in a Carmelo Anthony I could sell the fans Carmelo Anthony I could sell the fans Phil Jackson I could sell these names to the fans, because when you look at Donnie Walsh, he was doing an amazing job building that roster. Yeah. Even though it was with veterans and players who were going to move on eventually, he built a solid roster that had to compete in to the second round of the playoffs. And I kind of feel like they had a better chance if JR didn't mess them up mm-hmm. in that sense. But things happen, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like Donnie Walsh had the team in a very good direction. So you bring in a, a person who this is their first time doing a job operating a whole team, the president of the whole team, not just of what's going on with basketball. You know, you have to focus on yeah. so many different other avenues, and I don't think Phil was, was really prepared for it. And, I mean, when you throw a boatload of money at a person to do a job, I mean, how can you turn it down? Yeah, Because I think shot. Phil initially said no, and he's like, Dolan just kept offering more money. I, I can't turn that down. I would be a fool yeah. to leave that money on the table, and you're giving me all the confidence in the world. I'm going to walk right into yeah, it. let's give and it so, a try. I mean, and you think about even with Sacramento with them bringing in Vladi Divac. I mean, that galvanizes your fan base. He was a beloved player there mm-hmm. when Sacramento went on their, their run to the conference finals. against. It reminds the everybody of that. Exactly. Oh, we're going back to those days. Exactly. So you, he, he represents something, and you that's what you're buying, and that's what you're selling to the fans, that mm-hmm. representation. But it may not be exactly 
what's going on. And it might have nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> so, so speaking of Melo, do you think he's? I think he eventually stays. I think he he stays in New York longer than Phil Jackson, and I think he rides it out until maybe he's about thirty six, thirty seven, and then that's when he finally says, "Okay, maybe I'll go to a contender and, and try this last ride for." His contract's longer, and because he has the no trade clause, it's entirely up to him. And if he wanted to be gone, he would be gone by now. Um, and I think you have this weird stalemate between him and Phil trying to wait each other out. And, um, you know, time is on Melo's side. And he, he does have, you know, the no trade clause in, in his back pocket. Um, Phil has not done a good job, okay? Um, he hasn't shown the interest no. in doing a good job. So the idea that Phil is going to continue on even through his contract is in question and beyond his contract is very much in question it'd be one thing if he was building something and things were going well and you say Carmelo you're you're not compatible with what we're trying to build here and we have a momentum here and it's time to move on that, that's not the situation there's question marks all over the place there's there's parallel tracks of building for the future with guys like Porzingis and Hernan Gomez and at the same time throw a boatload of money at Joachim Noah, who's probably not going to play much in two years, but still is going to be paid a lot uh, for four years, right? So it, it, I, I could see Melo sticking around. At the same time, uh, Why? He, he's only human, and yes. it may be in this summer cooler heads prevail, and yeah. you know there, there is an offer on the table that doesn't hurt the team that he's going to. The Knicks feel like they're getting something in return, and Carmelo feels like it's it's a good enough situation, livably, um, that the basketball situation is um, is is what he's going to choose. But so far, uh, nobody here's been choosing the basketball situation. Not at all. 